0: Welcome to this episode of our new AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, I'll act as your ambassador to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS prototyping teams. What happens when a company in a highly regulated industry has an obligation to protect their customers' data at scale without spending millions of dollars a day to assure security and compliance? Find out how Latitude Financial Services approach this balance of innovation and experimentation with financial responsibility as we go behind the scenes of their engagement with our AWS Prototyping Team. I'm excited to welcome to the studio Shahid Faiz leading data engineering and platforms for Latitude Financial Services. Welcome, Shahid.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me.
0: And also joining us from AWS is Adrian Dimec, our senior prototyping engineer based in Melbourne, Australia. Nice to talk to you, Adrian.
2: Good day, Sarah. Thank you for having me.
0: Shahid, for our international listeners, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of LFS?
2: Yeah, uh,
1: Latitude Financial Services is Australia's leading provider of interest-free shopping and consumer finance. We have uh, more than 2.7 million customers and 3,400 merchant partners in Australia and New Zealand.
0: And what kind of services would I go to you for if I was a consumer?
1: Uh, we we have different services and we target to actually uh, provide, like, to meet our consumer needs, like, um, for example, credit cards, personal loans, auto, and buy now, pay later, uh, different different products, finance products to actually meet our consumers.
0: And you've been in business for many years, is that right?
1: Yeah, so uh, Latitude Financial Services originally was GE money. And uh, we became independent uh, entity as an uh, Latitude Financial Services six seven years back,
0: and so you have data systems with a lot of twenty five years of historical data. Is that right? And you're looking to move those to the cloud.
1: My team is responsible for data platforms and engineering within uh, Latitude. So problem which we are trying to solve is uh, basically move our data which lives right now in warehouse data center to move into cloud platform uh, and uh, that's that's the problem we are trying to solve and also what we wanted to do is like make as secure as possible uh, when we are defining our platforms in in, in cloud
0: Right. So you want to bring that analytics and reporting capability of your data warehouse in a secure fashion because you have data that have PII, right, personally identifiable information uh, that you want to secure for your analysts. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So in data generally, like uh, uh, any company, uh, we have PII information uh, sitting in their cloud platforms, one principle as a team, which we wanted to adhere to was like we won't allow TII entering into specially analytics and reporting platform because if you think about it analytics and reporting platform these platforms don't need TII information because we are not doing any operational or or, uh, implementing operational use cases so this is one principle which we have as a core principle that we won't bring in PII information in our analytics and reporting platform. When you have this principle set in, it, it actually enables you to open up your data to like the team so that we can make data-driven decisions. Like, it, is, it is kind of like that term which we use, uh, democratize data so that uh, you can start making data-driven decisions. So this it becomes an enabling thing for us. And
0: so how did you become involved with Adrian and his team?
1: Uh, yes, it was, it was like uh, when uh, when we uh, were discussing this thing, okay, we want to uh, move our warehouse into cloud. One problem to solve for us was, okay, uh, how we will, let's say, uh, de-identify PII information. And uh, this, we had to approach it in terms of like a scale, like uh, data sitting in there, there is a huge volume of data sitting in there and we wanted to implement some uh, automated process. And when you have larger data sets, you have like, all sorts of different patterns there, like different formats, data is mixed into different columns. Columns might not have proper names, all sorts of different scenarios, right? So uh, when, when we like looked at the problem, so uh, idea was let's engage with AWS prototyping team so that when we are implementing this thing, we can learn from prototyping team how we can solve this problem at scale and for huge volume of data.
0: So Adrian, talk to us a little bit about how you tackled this. You've got this enormous amount of data, large volume of data, complexity. I'm guessing also uh, the data are changing over time as you're bringing new uh, customers on board. Is that right, Shahid? Yes. You've got all the V's in there, volume, velocity, variety, et cetera. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that, Adrian. How did you approach this challenge?
2: So um, basically, I just wanted to understand what it is, what, what the outcome was exactly, just so I had a crystal clear picture to you know what it is we're trying to do. So that picture was painted pretty early on. You know, we basically, here is a, a sample of our, of our data, redacted, of course. And this is what we want it to look like on the other end, right? So that way I had a picture of, okay, what kind of transformations do we need to do on the data? And then I basically... Um, just try to understand, you know, if I were to do this by hand on paper, what kind of algorithm would I do? What are the logical steps to take some raw data and achieve this result? So we broke it down into three core components. The first being identification, which is a binary decision as to whether a piece of data contains personally identifiable information or PAI for short. Secondly, once you identify a piece of information as PAI what kind of classification it has. And we had various different types of classifications in this particular instance. So things like credit card information, addresses, first names, last names, ages, date of births, etc. And then once we classify it, we need to give it a score, right? So something could potentially look like a first name or a street. So we could potentially classify something as a first name with a 80% confidence and a street with a 70% confidence. And then once we do the classification, then it's a treatment process. So then we take that metadata and we say, okay, it's either an address or a first name, or how do we want to treat this? So in the case of LFS, we just completely redact it via a hashing mechanism to then transform that raw data into a, a, a hashed um, record.
0: And so Shahid, you touched on this a little bit. You have all these data sets, but you actually created or, or helped Adrian and his team create synthetic data sets. Is that right? So that you're still protecting and safeguarding that confidential data during the course of the prototyping engagement itself.
1: Yeah, so uh, I still remember first conversation which we had in our first call. Okay, how we will work because ADN and prototyping team they are not allowed to access our systems. So how do we solve it? Because when we are discussing like a variety of data, it is specific to each company and each uh, like uh, different different scenarios for different organizations. So first line of things was like, okay, if uh, ADN won't have access to our systems. How we will verify, test, and all those things. So, first uh, conversation was okay. How to actually create a synthetic data so that prototyping team can work on the prototype on their side and experiment with it, how it is performing. So, what we did was like we shared uh, some of the patterns with uh, Adrian and team. Like, for example, what type of names do we have in our sets? What type of addresses do we have? Because we are operating in Australia and New Zealand, so we have like Australian, New Zealand addresses. There is a very rare chance we'll have other international addresses. Like phone numbers is another example, and also this is geographic context. But uh, other scenarios, like for example, in some tables, there were even scenarios when, like, because its uh, data sitting there is old, like different patterns in some field there are like concatenated two bits of information into one, these kind of scenarios. So what we did, we actually shared different patterns with Adrian and team and they created all that synthetic data so that we are able to quickly experiment on prototyping side and then they will send over the code and all that uh, setups and we are replicating on our side so that we can give feedback whether it worked or not.
0: So Adrian, talk us through a little bit about uh, how you approached that and developed those pipelines to go through those steps that you talked about with identifying, classifying, treating the data.
2: So obviously, as Shahid mentioned, getting that synthetic data set was of vital importance because without that, we we can't really do much. Um, So having that was uh, really, really important. Working backwards, actually, is is how we actually tackle this. So we worked with the knowns, um, and then we kind of left the unknowns for later. So the knowns were the treatment process, right? And the treatment process was actually developed by the LFS engineers. So they're the ones that actually wrote the code um, and and implemented that functionality. So from our perspective, we uh, basically vendored a, a framework, which basically had pluggable components for classification, identification, and treatment. And we did that pretty early on throughout the investigation process. So that way, when it came time to actually developing, LFS was able to, to actually start integrating and writing code and getting it running into the actual uh, code base. Um, so in terms of the treatment process, we knew that we had to process every single record and Given you have a large amount of data, the logical choice was um, you know distributed uh, processing environment. So we landed on Spark, which was actually implemented in AWS Glue, and we implemented that. You know we had full CI/CD um, using CDK, etc. And then the classification identification piece was the the core challenge for us. So we were trying to understand a way to actually do this in a cost effective manner. And also in a performant manner, because we had to run this job twice a day. So we only had a 12-hour window to classify, identify, and treat terabytes worth of data. So um, we played around with a few different approaches. We were considering potentially using um, our own custom machine learning model. But we quickly discovered that would take probably years of research (laughs) and development. Um, So we, we were also in parallel looking at uh, offerings that we had on, in the cloud um, so macy comprehend things of that nature and we discovered that you know upon experimentation with the synthetic data sets macy was really good at detecting certain pieces of information so things like addresses and comprehend was really good at detecting things like first names so we basically looked at the data set we looked at all the different patterns and classifications and we tagged each classification against a particular technology, implementation technology. And then whatever the gap was, was the gap that we had to solve ourselves, right? So things like credit card information was not detected by either. I think that has since changed, but you know that was something that we could easily implement it using regexes and things of that nature. And then finally, there were kind of escape hatch classifications. And these are things that, you know, no kind of machine learning algorithm would be able to detect. So things like, customer identifiers, for example, you know, sensitive data like that allows you to manually basically say, hey, this is PI data. And yeah, we basically use the combination of those technologies to classify the the data set. Shahid, it sounds like it was really important for you
0: all to get that time to value, time to market for this solution uh, and focus the data scientists that you have on consumer-facing products. Is that right? You didn't want to boil the ocean here with trying to build your own model for everything.
1: Initially, we realized if we start investing time in uh, building our own model, training that model, and that will require a lot of time and uh, that feedback uh, loop to actually mature that model, we wanted to actually focus our data science capabilities and skill set more towards consumer-facing use cases and this one we knew like for example comprehend and macy will be able to like after discussion when we came to this more okay we can use these technologies which are scalable because uh, managed services we can leverage these technologies and achieve what we are aiming for one of the goal which is like we should be able to do it quickly and like less uh, effort and time, because that was
0: one 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 criteria for us. So, Adrian, you've got these different methodologies, so you've solved that issue, but how are you driving down costs
2: in this type of approach? This is actually a really interesting question. It was one of the, the kind of biggest problems that we had to solve. So, going back to the algorithm on paper, you know, if I were to go through every single row and classify each row. You know, humans are really good at detecting patterns, right? So I don't wanna go through a billion rows of data myself. I'm, I'm fairly lazy, right? So I'll go through and I'll be like, okay, I've, I've already gone through 100 rows and every single one of those rows looks to me like it's PAI data. So I have a pretty high confidence that this column is PAI data. And we apply the same principle in, in practice, right? So we took a sampling approach, which is, you know, given a sample of a column and developing that sample was actually fairly complex as well, because uh, we wanted a diverse sample as well. So, you know, picking up nulls, picking up actual values, different uh, you know, value ranges, et cetera. But once we created a, a really good sample, we were then able to classify a very small subset of the entire data set. That allowed us to not only perform the classification at a low cost, because you're only processing an order of magnitude less rows, but also allowed us to actually improve the system um, classification latency as well, right? Because that is the most compute intensive task. So there's quite a lot of savings to be made just by uh, doing the, uh, a sampling based approach. Okay, and so
0: once you've identified and classified, talk us through that treatment. What are what are you doing? What are you looking for? How are you giving Shahid's team the information that they need to to
2: do those treatments? So um, classification identification process runs against every table in the dataset. And what we do is we we run it through Macy, RegExes, and uh, Comprehend. So regular expressions? Yes, regular <laughs> <Yeah>. expressions, yes. <laughs> Um, and then we basically uh, emit a metadata file. And that file is basically an index of table, column to uh, a list of classifications. And within each classification, there is a confidence score. So as an example, um, there might be a field in table X called first underscore name, right? This is the column name. And we run it through all of our different technologies and we determined that it could either be a first name Or an address, because a lot of addresses are actually first names. And then we give that a confidence score. So first name might be 70%, and uh, address might be 65%, for example. We spit that out, uh, and then that is now used as an input into the treatment process along with the actual raw data. And then the treatment process kicks off it then makes a determination as to how it wants to treat this data. So, you know, there might be a a threshold in there. So if the confidence score is greater than 60%, let's just go ahead and hash this record. And then it'll emit a new record on the other side of that process with the the hashed uh, first name. So
0: Shahid, your team gets the metadata, we're getting the confidence scores. Talk to us a little bit about how you made those decisions about what to do.
1: When we are getting this uh, metadata uh, information and the classification output, we are uh, we have like that decision criteria when uh, based on what score because each classification comes with a score from zero to one scale. So uh, what we are doing, we have a threshold of 0.5, Like anything above 0.5, we we'll, Hash and uh, like treat that uh, piece of information and hash it. If there is a like with uh, if classification is with low confidence, then we uh, then we have a a certain like loopback mechanism. Okay, let's have a look what what it looks like. Whether it's a PII or not, that feedback loop mechanism. We are uh, looking at those classifications and uh, seeing if we need to tweak uh, something in the process, and that's how. We are improving and actually hashing or treating the data right now.
0: So you've got you've got the ability to sort of custom overrides and and have the system learn from usage. And so this is all happening, of course, in the this synthetic development environment. What happened when you uh, then used it on the live data? What did that process look like?
1: I think uh, one of the unexpected and funny uh, moment was when Adrian shared the code with me and he was like, okay, we have uh, done this uh, sampling and treatment, can can you run this on your real data? Because synthetic data was what, they, uh, what the prototyping team was generating. So when I uh, ran code for the first time and it didn't work and I was like, uh, like, it's, it's not working. It's There's doing nothing, nothing Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian they, it's not doing anything. Uh, is there anything wrong? And then uh, when we digged into it, it was uh, basically different scenarios. Like some columns have different, uh, those were nulls, empties, different value for representing uh, no value kind of null value mechanism. So we looked into it and it it, it was a back and forth kind of a, a like feedback cycle to actually, okay, this is what it is looking like. Let's debug it together. Like, what are these uh, logs? What are the stats? Can you share these stats? So that was like, um, uh, like good collaboration there to actually get it to working. So Adrian, what was that
2: like? Yeah, so we, you know, we, we started off having classification and identification being the most complex piece, and then once we started moving to you know production workload, that problem quickly shifted to okay, sampling is actually now the hardest piece. Um, trying trying to get a, a, a decent enough sample to be able to process the you know the, the classifications was actually what was um, turning out to be quite challenging. It's always
0: exciting then to to try to pivot your approach, right? This is part of innovation and experimentation is always being okay to fail, right? So Shahid, where are we now?
1: Uh, we uh, we did the prototype and after the prototype, what we did, we actually had to integrate this whole process into our platform capability so uh, right now we have integrated this as a platform capability when we are bringing in data this process is plugged into that ingestion pipeline where data comes in from exadata data warehouse uh, into cloud this process runs uh, as a part of our ingestion process which does classifications and then treats the data before it becomes data becomes available to our analytics and reporting platform so uh, we have promoted this prototype after some work uh, productionizing it in, into our production environment so right now we have onboarded few schemas and Uh, I would say a few hundred tables uh, onto this process. And uh, what we are doing right now is we are uh, doing analysis, how it is performing, monitoring it, and then we are uh, slowly ramping up the number of tables and the schemas uh, on this process. Are your data analysts and data scientists
0: finding it then easy to garner insights now? The data are eventually going to all be in one place, right?
1: Yes, uh, this this was this was one of the main target. Like, uh, because data warehouses are where where all the legacy data sets or or the systems are. Data sets are living. Some like new systems, like which are cloud native, we are already landing into uh, our cloud platform. This was like uh, bringing that. A warehouse into the cloud in the same place so that uh, data analysts and report developers can have access to uh, all the data sets in one place because that makes uh, their life easier and uh, having this process like because we are treating the data and we are hashing the PII uh, it, it, it is like uh, for us it enables us to have that culture of democratized data anyone who uh, needs access to certain data set, they can request access and get access without us thinking about uh, that complex process. Okay, this data has PII, it should be available to only this set of people, not this set of people. So that decision-making becomes super easy for us. You need access, there is your access. It's because we are not, from privacy perspective, from compliance perspective, we are taking measures at the front gate like before data lands into the platform. So uh, yes, it is helping us to actually establish that culture where anyone will have access to data and then they can make decisions or help business make decisions based on the data sets.
0: So what would you share with our listeners about this journey that you've taken
1: i think uh, it was a really good experience uh, working with prototyping team especially their skill set and the approach and uh, like uh, the collaboration i really uh, as a as a team uh, in lfs we really enjoyed that because the focus and solving the problem from goals perspective that was uh, really good and i think for me from technical perspective or solution perspective i think uh, Using services like Macy, Comprehend, pivoting to this approach when we started that we'll start creating our own machine learning model and quickly pivoting to this approach. That was kind of a aha moment for me because one, instantly we can say we can uh, scale. Like to any complexity and the volumes because these are AWS managed services, and also using Comprehend and Macy, it enables my team to answer questions like compliance questions or audit questions. I can say uh, that this process which we are uh, we have uh, established and we are using to de-identify and treat the data, it has Macy as one component, which is which is really really good. Position to be in because we can, of course, these buckets which don't have PII, Macy can confirm on six months or seven months or eight months. By using these services, I can answer uh, a compliance and privacy question from different angles, not just singularly answering this treatment and classification problem from a holistic uh, point of view. These are Lego pieces. If we think about it, like these are Lego pieces which we have put together to actually achieve an outcome. And at the same time, it's answering questions from a wider uh, perspective, not a single perspective.
0: How about you, Adrian? What were
2: your takeaways or or learnings from, from this engagement? I would just say, don't be afraid to fail, and um, with every failure, you can always pivot and turn it into a success, like we did here at LFS. Um, and then just echoing on top of Shahid's, you know, Lego analogy, don't be afraid to experiment with different services, um, different products, open source, whatever it may be. If you know you have a problem and you think something may work, try it out. Um, invest, you know, a few hours. Uh, if you get some great results, then it's a few hours well spent. If not, then you can take that learning and apply it elsewhere. I love that building block approach. Uh, not having a monolithic,
0: one size fits all. Right. That that seems to be a key learning from from how you all approached even the complexity of your own data.
1: For me, it helps answer the scale question as the very first step because mm-hmm. you are leveraging these, like uh, Adrian mentioned earlier on, like uh, treatment. A we, we, new treatment will have to happen every single row in each table and schema approaching that with the distributed system was like, okay, we are answering those questions uh, at the very uh, first step. And which, which makes these problems complex because of the scale. And if you are approaching these problems from like scale perspective and design your systems from uh, on top of distributed platforms, that, that becomes a kind of a natural thing uh, to handle a huge data sets.
0: Fantastic advice uh, to share with our listeners who might be considering their own journeys here. So thank you so much for being with us, uh, Shahid, and sharing LFS's
1: approach. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And Adrian, always great to chat with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our vodcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWSInnovationAmbassadors and share your thoughts.
1: Thank you.